Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Thursday, February 2nd. Coming up next Tuesday, Missouri is scheduled to carry out its third execution in less than three months. We'll hear from a journalist who's been covering the case. But first, some headlines. Kansas Supreme Court justices heard arguments yesterday on a state law that makes it a felony to impersonate an election official. Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service reports. Voting groups want the Kansas law thrown out because they believe it violates their rights and could make their voter registration efforts illegal. An attorney for the state argued those fears of prosecution are unreasonable. But the justices asked several pointed questions, like whether a person could be prosecuted for sharing a Secretary of State election brochure without clearly stating that they don't work for the office. Justice Evelyn Wilson says that's how she understands it, and it has a chilling effect on voter education efforts. Why do I have to tell somebody I'm not the Secretary of State? Don't I have the right to send a flyer? A lower court ruled earlier that voting groups had not proven that the law blocks their work. The Kansas City Council is set to approve a $1.8 million settlement today in a race discrimination lawsuit from a former airport police officer. KCUR's Savannah Holly Bates has more. Lynn Woodard began work as a police officer in the city's aviation department in late 2013. But after his six-month probationary period, he was told he was fired. Woodard, who is white, claimed that he was treated differently than a black co-worker who was terminated at the same time but rehired. He also claims he was held to harsher disciplinary standards than his black co-worker. A jury ruled in Woodard's favor in September of 2022 and awarded him $1.5 million. Now the city is likely to pay him an additional $300,000 for attorney fees and other expenses. Kansas City may remove one of the bike lanes on Truman Road after opposition from business owners. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. Business owners on Truman Road say the new bike lanes have reduced foot traffic. Third District Council member Melissa Robinson said the city could keep one bike lane for travel in both directions. She said the current design is unsafe to drivers who park between the main road and the bike lane. One, the implementation is not safe. And we should act with a sense of urgency to make sure pedestrians who are exiting their cars in a travel lane have some protections. City Council did not make any changes yet. It will take up the proposal to cut a lane later this month. We'll be back after this. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive. 58-year-old Leonard Taylor is scheduled to be executed on February 7th for the crime of killing his girlfriend and her three children in 2004. If the execution goes through, he would be the third person put to death in Missouri since November. But Taylor has maintained his innocence for 19 years, and experts have said there's evidence Taylor didn't commit the crime. KCUR's Steve Kraske spoke to Kansas City Star reporter Katie Moore, who's been covering the case. Here's their conversation edited for length. 
So first of all, Katie, let's get into the original crime for which uh, he was sentenced to death. For those that aren't familiar with this case, what was that crime? Yeah, so in December of 2004, um, Angela Rowe, his girlfriend, and her three kids um, had not been heard from for a few days. And so a concerned family member uh, called police. They went out there, and they were discovered um, all four of them had been fatally shot. Um, and then Taylor was picked up a few days later in Kentucky and was sub- subsequently convicted at trial. Hmm. And he's been claiming that he's innocent, what, all that time? Yeah, he's maintained his innocence since his arrest, and he has pointed to um, this alibi that he was in uh, California at the time of the deaths. So he's saying he was halfway across the country when these deaths happened. Are there is there any evidence that that indeed was the case? Yeah, so um, prosecutors have never disputed that he had left Missouri a week before the bodies were found. Um, the medical examiner initially said that uh, they had been killed about three days before the bodies were found, um, and that changed at trial to up to three weeks. So that would have put Taylor still in Missouri at that time. What new evidence has been brought forward in this case in, in more recent years here? Yeah, so there's been um, new evidence throughout many years of appeals. And as recently as last week, his attorneys had a forensic pathologist review the case. And last week, she signed an affidavit um, saying that evidence from the body showed that they'd been dead for about three days um, until the time they were found. So again, indicating that, you know, Taylor would have been out of the state at that time. Wow. And he's quite open about other crimes that he committed uh, years uh, ago also as a drug dealer. Tell us about Leonard Taylor's past on that front there. Yeah, so um, he moved to California when he was about 22. And um, up until that time, he had lived a pretty normal life. He had been in the military for, I think, six years. And when he ended up going to Southern California, he started selling drugs and it grew to a pretty large scale. And so that's when uh, things really changed. He was making a lot of money. He had um, several girlfriends, several houses in different states, um, and then ended up getting caught a couple times for uh, the, the drug crimes. And also he had been into some fraud. And I guess he said over the years that he was a good drug dealer. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty successful at it. He was moving pretty significant amounts of cocaine um, across Southern California, the Midwest, the South. So, How do the family members of those who were killed feel about this situation? I mean, do they believe that Leonard Taylor was involved in these murders? Yeah, so I was able to talk to one of the family members. It was the aunt of the three children, and she uh, believes that he did it, and she is she supports the execution going forward. You've written about Taylor's upbringing. What more can you tell us about what that was like? Yeah, he said he had a good upbringing, a pretty normal childhood. He was the middle of uh, five children, and his dad worked at the post office. His mom um, supported them a lot, and um, he said it was, yeah, pretty normal. Um, When and where is he scheduled to be executed at this point? So the execution, the death warrant goes into effect at 6 o'clock on February 7th, and um, the death chamber in Missouri is at a prison in eastern Missouri. Is there a chance that he'll get a stay of execution here? How, you, how are you viewing it at this point? Is, uh, how likely is it that he might, uh, he might avoid this? 
So his attorneys yesterday afternoon filed a, uh, a motion to stay the execution uh, before the Missouri Supreme Court. So they will be looking at that. The prosecutors in St. Louis County um, have declined to directly intervene in the case. So they're not going to file a motion to vacate his sentences, which that was maybe his best shot at getting a stay. Um, but they did say they are going to support the attorney's motion for a stay. So that's under review. And then um, there's also a clemency application with Governor Parson's office. So there's uh, stays of execution on several fronts here, it sounds like, uh, as we move forward. So he would remain in prison even if he isn't executed next week. Do I have that right, Katie? Yeah, his case would would, uh, be under review and he would remain in prison. And he's also serving out a sentence on an unrelated rape case. So what what can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, he says he's also innocent in that and that that was filed in retaliation. The initial allegations were brought in 2000, and he wasn't actually charged until the day of his arrest in these murders. So, yeah, he maintains he's he's innocent as, in that one as well, And but he was convicted and he was given 100 years. So, regardless, um, he will remain in prison. You've interviewed him in prison, right? Yeah. Can you tell us what that experience was like for you? Yeah, um, it's definitely a interesting experience for me. Um, And, you know, meeting Taylor, he was very composed. He was very detailed in, you know, telling his life story. He had dates and names and, um, you know, at times was pretty funny about, you know, some of the things that he got into, but also, you know, in terms of the murders, he was pretty solemn about what had happened and, you know, very strongly maintained that he had nothing to do with the murders. Could you tell how he was handling the pressure of the fact that he faces the death penalty just a few days off from even the time you talked to him? Yeah. So when I spoke to him in person, I mean, he was very optimistic that he was going to get a stay. Um, He seemed very hopeful. And I spoke to his attorney, Kent Gibson, on Monday, and that was right after they'd gotten the news that St. Louis County was not going to intervene in his case. And uh, Kent said that um, he had just gotten off the phone with with Taylor and that Taylor was very upbeat, um, even more upbeat than Gibson was in that moment. So I think he still does have a lot of hope. Is it realistic to expect that Leonard Taylor might get a stay here? Can you Are you reading the tea leaves as to what you think uh, might happen here going forward? Yeah, it's a little unclear because his case is different than the previous two recent executions. Um, those two people had admitted that they had had been involved in the murders um, that they were convicted in. So because Taylor has an innocence claim, it is uh, dif- different. Um, but yeah, it's a little unclear how Governor Parson or the Missouri Supreme Court will act in this case. I was going to say, what about the governor here? He obviously has the ability to make a serious impact by halting the execution, though he hasn't been one to do that as of late. So I'm not guessing Governor Parson is a likely avenue of uh, ally of Leonard Taylor at this point. Yeah, it's unclear. Um, all, all his office has said so far is that they review these cases. And um, I know his attorneys met with his office earlier this week, but yeah, we're not sure what direction he's going to go. What are the uh, advocates, Katie, opposing the death penalty saying about this particular case involving Leonard Taylor? Yeah, so there's several supporters of Taylor, as well as different organizations that are opposed to the death penalty who have come out and who have been making a pretty hard 
push this week. Um, they've been holding press conferences and they held a petition drive. Um, and so they are, yeah, are calling for the execution to be halted. Congresswoman Cori Bush also has said that there is significant evidence to um, support his innocence and so that she also supports stopping the execution at this point. So he's got some key allies here, it sounds like. Yeah, he's had um, significant amount of support, I think, from different groups that I think have probably helped him stay upbeat. How does Missouri compare to other states around the country when it comes to the death penalty? Katie, what have, what have you found out about that? So Missouri has pretty aggressively pursued the death penalty in the past couple months. There's This will be the third execution should it go forward um, in the past 10 weeks. The death penalty is being used less and less in across most of the country, but I think Missouri is one of five states that has executions scheduled so far this year. That was Kansas City Star reporter Katie Moore talking to KCUR's Steve Kraske. You can hear their entire conversation from up to date at kcur.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.